She grabbed my arm with both hands and screamed in my ear, because it's a scary-ass movie. It is. Dukes of Hazard is an important theme in this film, though, and I'm all for that. Although I was surprised about all the graphic nudity. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's what he wanted to talk about. I did not. Utter bedlam broke out. There were locusts and people were just puking <laughs> in the aisles. Stop what you're doing. Get down upon your knees. I have a message for you that you better believe. Little Eurythmics to start the podcast. I love them. Yeah, and I just found out today they did not make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. They Shut didn't. Up! I know they didn't make it. And Bon Jovi did. Bon Jovi. The it was hell? Um, Dire Straits, The Cars, uh, Moody Blues. Dire Straits, though. I mean, no Moody offense. Blues, yeah, but Dire anyway, Straits. Eurythmics. This is the most boring band be in there. And that's Genesis. a great song, Missionary Man. And it gets us into it. Welcome. Come on in. We are back live at the Gateway Film Center. In Columbus, Ohio, doing Fright Club Live like we do uh, in front of the great audience <laughs> once a month. Fright Club Live, welcome. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast, special edition, because this is where we're going to take the whole time and give all the spoilers about the new Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Which we both we both enjoyed, although I was surprised about all the graphic nudity. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we're talking about missionary men and women and uh, what, what do you call it? Divine... Divine, divine inter- mission. Divine mission. Yeah. Okay. Divine mission. It's we have a, rules. What? We do have rules. We have well, rules. you have rules. Yeah. So let's run them down. Uh, well, you know what? First, let's thank Chris Hamill for joining oh, yeah. us last time. Chris last Hamill. time on Fright Club, he he was President gracious enough. Programmer here at the beautiful Gateway Film Center called in and talked with us about our top ten horror movies of 2017, and it, it was a pretty solid year. It was it really was. It was, and we had a great conversation with Chris. I couldn't believe. This is the first time he'd been on the podcast. I know, honest to God. I, I mean, I, I, did, I just thought he'd be too busy to come. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wasn't dissing him. Yeah. I just thought he's never going to be able to join I us. I mean, we do so much here, and they're always so great to us. So it's a, it's a treat. We have Jason on a lot, and we love Jason. Yeah. Uh, it was a treat to have Chris on there as well to uh, give us a little insight on some of the movies that we... There's a couple of them that we had not seen mm-hmm. uh, at the time we taped it. We've seen them now. Mm-hmm. Shape of Water was the one we talked yeah. about, which we both loved. Yes. Don't think either one of us would call that a horror movie. No. But uh, we loved it. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for the for the great uh, all the great comments and feedback for the best of 2017. As we look forward to hopefully a good year of horror in 2018. But yeah, we're talking about divine missions. So do we have the rules? We what do. are the rules? We have the rules. It has to be plot of the movie. Somebody is actually working in what they believe is a mission from God. So it can't be like just a generically sort of religious, let's say Wicker Man ish, because that's not God. He's clear about that. He's not pro-God. Um, and it can't be like, you know, well, like a demon, you know, like Rosemary's Baby. I mean, like these people, whether they're completely fucked or not, they're, they they believe that what they're doing is is God's purpose. And before you even go there, I ask, too, it can't be the Blues Brothers. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. They're out. So is that it? That's the whole rules. Well, you had a couple in here, so you can't. You, you left out a movie like Martyrs, right? right because, because that because in fact she it's scientific. What Mademoiselle is looking for is what 
that moment, right. she, she's clear. It's, it's science-driven. It's okay. science-based. And then there are some, some cult movies that you consider, but they, that cult may or may not be worshiping like God. List. Right, like kill, kill list, list. Or even Jug Face. That right. Talked about. Yeah. So there's just a few that were Is ma- it Tom? Is it Tom who doesn't care for the Jug Face? Oh, okay. Well, good then. You guys are back on the pro list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it. So uh, so we'll get to Divine Missions in Horror. Are we ready to run them down? We are. All right, because we got a movie to watch. So these we gotta, we got to get moving on, uh, on this Fright Club Live. Number five, set in Middle America, a group of teens receive an online invitation for sex, though they soon encounter fundamentalists with a much more sinister agenda. It's Kevin Smith's Red State. I hate the wickedness in America. Rampant fornication, adultery, flagrant sexuality, everywhere. And it's up to the righteous to curb the spread of his disease. Uh, gonna get grown up in here. Send the sinner straight to hell. Send the sinner straight to hell. God doesn't love you. Let's fear As much as I like this movie, I always have one prevailing thought every time it comes out, comes up in conversation. Because when it came out, we had an interview scheduled with Kevin Smith, and he was late. He didn't call. He ended up calling while we were pulling into the parking lot at Subway. So we're, we'd given up on him. We yeah. Thought, oh, he's not. So we're call sitting there in the car in the parking lot at Subway, Kevin Smith either, so. interviewing Kevin Smith, and he just has the foulest mouth. The guy just. Cuss is a blue streak, but he's hilarious. He is hilarious. And so we just sat there getting hungrier and hungrier in the parking lot, just listening to Kevin Smith. And it was great. But Well, pers- the truth is, the truth is what we were, what we were talking about, Smodcast. We weren't really supposed to be talking about Red State. But we but ended I, up talking about it. I was aware it. that he was filming it. Yeah. Um, and the Smodcast was being presented by apparently this, it looks Fleshlight. like. Fleshlight. Right. And that's what he wanted to talk about. I did not. <laughs> I was like sidestepping. So... You're doing a horror movie, I hear. Um, and it was actually a really interesting conversation when he talked about this. It this was. Film. No, it was. And this is my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Like, by a wide margin, this is my favorite Kevin Smith movie. I love a lot about it, but but mainly Michael Parks is utterly perfect. Michael Parks is so great. As and he, the pastor who yeah. runs this really super violent, very fundamentalist cult. Also, Melissa Leo. I love Melissa Leo every every time. I love her in everything. But one of the things I think is really funny in this is it. So they lure these teenage boys to their death uh, with like this online promise of sex, and then they get there, and it's Melissa Leo. And I was just like, "Huh?" That, and then they don't like leave. It's like, uh, I mean, we drove this far, so <laughs> we're here. She's here. All right. Um, you know, truth be told, I, I would call this maybe two-thirds a horror film. The truth is that it becomes kind of a an action movie, police procedural toward the end. And it's a crazy great cast, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, John Goodman, Stephen Root, all right, Melissa Leo. I, I mean, it's a really fun, creepy, very American sort of movie. And I know that what Kevin Smith was saying that he was trying to do was to do something that was, like he said, very finger on the pulse. And I think one of the reasons that I think this movie is so impressive is because it doesn't bear any of the marks of a Kevin Smith movie. And I know he told me that that's what he was trying to do, like, because we're besties. No, he, I mean, he probably said it in like 100 interviews. I hated how that sounded, but I just said it. <laughs> but I remember thinking that when I watched it, like, at some point, there's going to be, like, a, a much too clever string of dialogue. Or, you know, at some point, something that's going to come up and just go, oh, right, well, I mean, it is a Kevin Smith movie. Not, not ever. Not at any point in this film do you think to yourself, you, you know, his thumbprints are on it. Well, he himself called it a, a nasty-ass $4 million horror flick with few, if any, redeeming characters. 
Actually, and it's funny because I like that. I like that in any movie when they don't try to um, set up one character or a set of characters as being faultless. As mm-hmm. a, you know, it, it's fine to sort of share the the culpability and the nastiness, and they do that here. But it's funny that he says that because there's a character through the whole film that you expect to be the good one, and so as he's he's clarified, she's not. Well, and I think that works on another level in a movie about a divine mission. Yeah, uh, and I, and and actually, he wrote. Michael Parks' role, he wrote specifically for Michael Parks and has said that if he Good if he didn't take it, he wasn't going to make the movie. Wow. Which, I mean, it's easy to say after he does take it, but still. Yeah, Michael Parks is, he never, I don't think he ever really got enough credit for how good he was in pretty much everything. Yes. And he had but such, it, such it, a long it, career. Yeah. But this is, the, this is the performance, I think, is his best. I think this is the, the I mean, he's done some great things, especially with uh, Tarantino. Oh, and Kill Bill. I love him, Kill Bill. I, I love him in Kill yeah. Bill, but this is the best. This is his best. And that is uh, Red State, number five on our list of divine missions in horror. And in number four, a movie that we just today got some news about that we'll talk about. It's paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse 2013's The Conjuring. There's something horrible happening in my house. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. This thing has latched itself to your family. So usually when I do this, I try to find brief trailers so they don't slow us up with all these trailers. But <laughs> I love that trailer so much. I'm like, I don't care if it's 2.30. It's the one we're watching. Well, you know, it, it makes you realize that, you know, when they were filmmakers were making this, they really thought that they had a good shot at a PG-13 rating. But they got an R, and their explanation from the board was, it's just too scary. Nice. You know, there may not be blood. There may not be, you know limbs being chopped off but it's just too darn scary yeah and it is it's effectively scary and why practical, practical effects. effects love the practical effects george loves the practical and actually effects. we got that we got that story i think it was dzak today it was who's who's wearing the ambiguously scary sweater tonight <laughs> we can't figure out the second word on that sweater and if we could we knew it'd be terrifying but anyway yeah apparently this movie now is involved in all sorts of lawsuits that have to do with some some illicit affairs on the a part of the Warrens back in the day, and then very some, Roy Moore esque behavior. Very Roy Moore esque, yeah. but and then yeah. something about somebody that wrote a book that alleges that the whole thing was faked and all this stuff. But it's it's in the news, but that doesn't detract from the fact that it's a very effective movie. It is. It's a really super scary movie, and you know it was a fun idea back when they made it. It's Ed Lorraine Warren, right? Who were the the real live super Catholic demonologists, right, who who were involved in the Amityville Horror, also a proven scam. Um, although not is if it you though? talked. Is it? Yeah. Um. What's, what's that documentary about the one the, the one guy, my, my. my Amityville Horror? If yeah. you get a chance to see that. That's creepy. Yeah. It, it, um, it, and it's not so much like ghost story creepy. It's like creepy look at this, the kid, one, like the middle boy that was involved, as an adult in the family. Now. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. But anyway. Anyway, back to it. Back to Ed Lorraine, pervert potential, Warren <laughs> of the high lacy collars. Yeah, it was fun to see one of their other, like, stories, right? Because, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my older sisters thought that Amityville Horror was the greatest thing ever. And my dad bought us, unbeknownst to him, bought my twin sister and me this giant dollhouse that looked just like it. Had, like, those big creepy eyeball, you know, like... Sweet dreams. I know, exactly. We were like, Dad! (laughs) Um, I was okay with it, let me be honest with you. But the point is, uh, Ed Lorraine Warren, I think mainly because they're super Catholic, 
Madden's are Catholic. And um, and also because my sisters were so preoccupied with the Amityville Horror when I was a little kid. Like, I always knew who they were. Like, they were just regular Joes. Like, they could show up at church someday. They're just Ed Lorraine Warren. And then they, this movie came out, and I'm like, shut up. And then my oldest sister came for Christmas, and I said, let's go see this movie. And then there's a certain scene. It's got a cabinet in it. There's a cabinet in a girl's bedroom. Yeah. And my Love sister, that. who's a very strong human, she grabbed my arm with both hands and screamed in my ear and left huge bruises on my arm. Because it's a scary-ass movie. It is. I love you know that, that figure on top of that bureau, yes. that, that dresser. So scary, and it's so well-directed. It's James Wan. Aquaman. He's doing Aquaman. He is doing Aquaman. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But he did, of course, Insidious. Then he did... Yeah. Uh, he did Saw. He did the first Saw. Right. And then Conjuring 2, which is all over uh, HBO right now. Yeah. It's, Constantly, it's it's not bad. No, but it's not nearly as effective as as this is. No, uh, because this turned out to be such a hit. They're going back and mining the files. You know, the Warren files. Oh, of course. Scariest thing about the Conjuring too were all those Starsky and Hutch posters oh, no. all over that. Bedroom. Those weren't scary. They were perfect. Those were great. <laughs> those were on point with the Starsky and Hutch. But apparently, they were trying to make a, a movie about the Warrens for like twenty years before this finally got to the screen. Interesting. But uh, yeah, so we'll see how the all these lawsuits. How they affect the movie in the coming months. Keep us posted, Dzak, will you? <laughs> right. Appreciate that. So that is number four, The Conjuring from 2013, number four on our list of divine interventions in horror. And number three is one that I was not aware of. So this is another one that you uh, you saw by yourself, so we're expecting plenty of insight on this. It's the young Tor, is that his name? Tor uh, seeks in Hamburg a new life among the religious group called the Jesus Freaks. It's called Nothing Bad Can Happen. Who is that, Cortez? <laughs> okay, so I'm the only one who saw this. Did anybody see this movie? Nice! Melissa um, Dina. Melissa Dina saw this movie. It's based on true events. I don't know how closely based it is on true events, but I just want to warn you about that in advance because it's a really hard movie to watch, but it's never exploitative, even for a second. So Tor, the tall, skinny guy, he stays with this group of teens in Hamburg, and they... They're called the Jesus Freaks, and they play a lot of hardcore Jesus metal, which is fascinating, and jump around a lot, and they let him sleep on their floor. And um, But it's he's an interesting character, and he has seizures. He believes that during these seizures, he talks to God. And at one point, he's with his friend, and they come across these stranded motorists, and he just, because he's a very earnest, true believer, he just says, well, let me see if I can get God to start your car. And God starts the car. So then Benno the mean guy with the cat, he shows back up at this place. He sees, he sees Tor have a seizure, and it's a really lovely scene. He picks him up and carries him home with him. And for a while you think, but you know it's not, but you think, oh, things are going to be better for Tor. He's found, no, it's, it's not a good place for him. And it's a, um, it's a really difficult film to watch because it's an amazing exercise in, right there, what he's, he's like, do something. But but he believes in turn the other cheek. He believes he believes deeply in being like Jesus. And it is the most frustrating, horrifying, beautiful film to watch because of that and because of the evil that it elicits in the people around him. I recommend it really highly because it's a beautiful, incredibly well put together movie, but it is really hard to watch. So just keep that in mind. And that's from 2013. So yes. really pretty pretty recent. Nothing bad can happen. Sounds that's like, not true, Sounds by the like way. plenty bad happens. It's not true. Yeah, number three on our list of divine horror. And number two is the one we are going to see tonight on the big screen. A man confesses to an FBI agent his family's story 
of how his religious fanatic father's visions led to a series of murders to destroy supposed demons from 2001 frailty. They were raised to obey their father. Go to some homework. To love him. To trust him. Night, boy. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Wake up. I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? I love that line. You're not a demon, are you? And this one might be the most perfect fit for this category because it's, it's loosely based on the case of an American serial killer, Joseph Callinger. Uh, who murdered three people and tortured four families. And uh, his 13-year-old son was in on it in the early 70s in New Jersey, and then he pleaded guilty, claiming that God had told him to kill. Right. And which is, of course, the, the, the basis of this movie. And it's as we've talked about it before, it's Bill Paxton's directing debut. His feature, because as you know, he directed the music video Fish Heads. <laughs> which is genius, if you haven't seen it. Go to YouTube. <laughs> Barnes and Barnes. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this tonight because I've I have not seen it on the big screen. Yeah, no, and, I haven't either. Yeah, and it's it's so effective. It's it's really surprised me. Bill Paxton shows such promise and such talent as a director that it, it surprised me that he didn't go on and, and make a few more, at least a few more films before he passed away. Yeah, he just made one about golf. But this one is is really shows a, a talent and and an instinct. Uh, to be a good director. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that it's set, part of it is set in the, like the late 70s and they just nail the details of the like, <laughs> They do. You know, the, the Dukes of Hazard posters and the, so I guess maybe it's the early 80s. I'm not sure. Dukes of Hazard is an important theme in this film though and I'm all for that. And and I think that as a an actor, he does a really great job in this too because he he's, he's profoundly likable, which makes it, a more interesting, like, is he crazy or is he right, which is the, you know, the core of about a million different horror movies. But in this case, he's so likable that you really want it to be true because you just don't want him to be like a bad guy. And then the other, the two kids are great they also. Are, yeah. And that's really important because they shoulder an enormous, especially the older boy, an enormous amount of this film. They do. And as we were talking about earlier in the happy hour, this was a little bit of a prelude to the McConaissance. Right, the so this right because this Renaissance, yeah. 2001 was in the the height of trash McConaughey. It was like <laughs> smack in the middle of nothing but like J Lo romantic comedies that he was making. You forget sometimes because you know he was like dazed and confused, trash, 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 Tropic Thunder, and then you're like, no, 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 there's this great movie that yeah, you probably right. missed right smack in the middle. He is shirtless, of course. At one point, you saw it in the trailer. Even they even had to have it in the trailer. But, all right, all right. That's, that's right. But he's he's very good in it. Just yes. you know, and he's so um he's just got such a slow Texan delivery for everything that it, it really increases the tension during the parts that he's in because he's he's telling the story to Powers Booth and you're just come on, let's get on with it. And you're sitting in the chair like, Yes, where are you going with this? You know, and it, it really builds a lot of tension. Yeah, and originally I guess Bill Paxton had planned to have when he would touch the the demons that that you would see their crimes when he touched them, but it was uh, James Cameron suggested that he, he changed that, so the information came as a surprise at the end, which I think is probably a, a good choice. Well, I mean, generally speaking, it's not probably not a bad idea to listen to James Cameron. Not all the time. <laughs> I was waiting. I but, was waiting. 
but on yeah, occasion. Looking forward to seeing that tonight. It's yep. really effective. Number two on our list, Frailty from 2001. And that list just leaves one at the top. You can probably guess. A girl well, they is- totally can because I already hit the slide. So you can most definitely guess. <laughs> when a girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her daughter. The classic from 73, The Exorcist. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that. The sour is mine. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. The power of Christ compels you. You know, it almost feels like a cop-out now, but every time someone asks me, you know, like, what's your... Your very favorite horror movie. This is the, always the first one that comes to mind, and I know it's such an easy thing to say, but it's so good. It's incredible. I mean, it's so a masterpiece. Effective. It really is. And and I always think back to the fact because I remember when it came out. I've mentioned this before. I was a kid, and I would hear the stories of people's parents, you know, going to the oh, utter bedlam broke out. There were locusts, and people were you know just puking <laughs> in the aisles. But you you watch it now and think, man, this came out in the early seventies. Oh I, yeah, I'm sure people were losing their shit. Oh yeah, because it's still today. Well, especially with the director's cut, where you see the crab walk and yeah. all that stuff, which wasn't in that original original theatrical cut. But, man, it is intense. It is. Even today. It is. And we've talked before about how awesome it is the way he directs. He starts off in the Middle East, really big, wide panoramas. And then you get to Georgetown, and it's a little bit closer. you know. And then you get to, like, on campus and, and in the hospital rooms, and it's a little closer. And then you're in the bedroom, and it's like, there's no room to move. I'm right here with... The devil! Oh, my yeah. God! Yeah. It's an incredibly well-put-together movie, and it says a lot of things about a lot of things. There is so much that you can read into it, which is great. It's, it's really, I think, the mark of an incredibly good movie. Honest to God, Exorcist 3 is good enough to have made this list. I love Exorcist 3. It's a great movie. We won't speak of Exorcist 2, The no, Heretic. We'll we just go right to Exorcist 3, which, yeah, is very effective. It is. Definitely agree. And this was the first horror film to be nominated for Best Picture. At the Academy Award. Didn't win, no. but it was nominated. And, yeah, it's it's just solid all the way around. You know, it fits this list for obvious reasons. But yeah. it's got the incredibly assured performance by Linda Blair. When you think about how young she was at the yeah. time and what was required of her, not mm-hmm. only physically, but, you know, it had to be an exhausting shoot and a mentally draining shoot of what the subject matter was. It's an incredible performance. It is. And we've talked before about how old is Max Vincito in this movie? He's He's in his 40s. And it, <laughs> I know you look at him now and like it's been, you know, 40 some odd years since then. And you're like, man, he still looks the same as he did when he's in The Exorcist. How old is that guy? Yeah. Yeah. He was in his 40s. They did a, a really good job at the time for making him. And then his his mannerisms made him seem a lot older. But I think it's interesting that they give, you know, every character gets an opportunity to be human, to be peculiar, to have these little weird things about them that make that person memorable. And I, and I too, I love that. I love all of the arguments, right, that Ellen Burstyn has on the phone with her ex-husband and that he doesn't show up at all and that he's not in the picture. And I love, I mean, there are just so many themes that are just toyed with, you know, go there if you want to. I'm not going to go there, but you can go there if you want to. If you think this movie is about that, here you go. I love that. I love so much about this. And also what, what stands out in comparison to a lot of movies today, it's such a slow burn. Yeah, it definitely I mean, it is. It really takes a while to get up and to get up and moving, but it rewards you for that because I think the payoff then is that much more emotional when it gets to it. But it it takes a while 
No, see, I've waited all this time to let you do the Mercedes McCambridge thing. Now I'm just going to tell him to steal your thunder. Go ahead, because that's really for me the the push over the cliff. That voice, the voice, is that voice incredible. is so perfect and incredibly amazingly creepy. Yeah, uh, the voice of the demon, which is Mercedes McCambridge. Mm-hmm. That's a name. Wow, that is. Um, At first, the story goes she didn't want her name mentioned because she thought it would be more effective if people thought that was actually quote Reagan's voice. But <laughs> then I think she had to sue to get credit on the later prints of the film, but. I can imagine what that movie would be like without that voice. Oh, it is no. just so perfect. It is. And it so is. demonic. So it's awesome. We got to get moving because we got a movie to watch. Number one on our list of divine interventions in horror the classic, The Exorcist. What do you think? Let us know what we missed, what we got wrong. Easiest way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter. And you can find us at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F, on the Facebook page and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with a bunch of written reviews of all sorts of movies, and where you'll find this podcast posted uh, in a few days. That will be madwolf.com. So I think that's about it, right? Yes. We want to tell you that the first Fright Club of the new year, and I don't think this is on the website yet, so this might be new news to you. It's going to be Wednesday, January 10th. We're going to show Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> and talk yes. about westerns, western horror. So I, I'm excited. Me I'm excited too. for that Man, one. Man, Bone Tomahawk. I was not expecting that, huh? <laughs> Woo! If you haven't seen it, come on out. That's going to be great. That is going to be good. Yeah, so thanks as always to the Gateway Film Center, the great crowd here at the Gateway. We look forward to, uh, yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a holiday break, right, and be back in 2018. Do we yep. have one more podcast before the new year? After this? Nope. I don't think so. No, because then it's Christmas and then it's New Year's. All right. Well, so then we'll wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and Our wish for the new year is to stay frightful, my friends. (laughs) And until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. See ya.